thank you for joining. I am Dan O. Uh, and and I just enjoyed a steak and cheese sandwich. Thank you for being here. Uh, I run Freebies of Empire. Uh, and I'm so excited to have someone in my mind who I refer to as somewhere between AZ and Gil Scott Heron. Yo, that's heavy. Thank you for that, man. I'm very humbled by that. Straight so, up. We are talking, of course, about Sleep Sinatra. Um, you just had a, had a release on the 5th, Sleep Gloriously, um, which was, it, it felt like, it's one of those things where I felt like I put the thing together or because of how much I loved the last Teller Banks album, uh, the beautiful and the grotesque. Yeah, man, that, that's that's a masterpiece right there. Shout out my dog Teller, man. That's that's a good friend of mine. Real dudes, real as they come. Honestly, I think I had it like top 20. I think I had it like over West Side Gun, like over like a lot of people. Yeah, um, he was he was spitting that real shit on there, man. That's I mean, that, that album's got a lot of pain in it too. It's something about them Ed Glorious joints, you know what I'm saying? Just yes, it, yes. it evokes emotion, man. And beats that he brings uh, uh they just evoke that, that certain raw emotion, you know what I'm saying? Get cats to really get into their into their soul and into their mind about, about their experiences. And you got to be on one of I think just the most interesting songs of last year, Piggy Pop, uh, because, I mean, it was, it's a hook that only Teller Banks could do. Banks. Right? Banks. Uh, it, I got to talk to him about it, and he was like, I didn't know if this sounded stupid or not, and I just kind of followed it, you know? Uh, and that's that's the beautiful thing about how he works. Um, yeah. And he, he'll do something that may seem silly like that chorus, but the real shit is coming, right? Like his right. train of thought is getting there. And right. And it's like the way he the way he puts things together too. Like you said, um, you know, surface level, it's it's gonna take you a couple of times to actually absorb what he's saying, you know what I mean? And it's organic too, you know. What I mean, that's that's something that um not everybody can do, you know what I'm yep. saying? So I think that's why me and him click so much, is because uh a lot of times times when we do joints like we ain't even been in the studio together in a physical yet you know right. what i'm saying i met him at a had him headline a show that i hosted uh i believe that was 2019 might have been 2018 but he headlined a show that i host all good gospel in omaha um killed it you know what i'm saying that was our right. first time meeting in person but every time that we've collapsed so far man it's just been us sending joints back and forth to each other. And we just got that natural, natural chemistry. There's not even really much discussion about uh concept or direction. I mean, we talk a little bit about things like that, but they just come together as, as they do, man. You know what I'm saying? It's that like natural chemistry. And, and it, some of it, like, I don't know, more and more as I get older, I've started to think about the way voices mix in, on a song. Word. And if you're going to mix well with Teller, his voice is so boisterous and it moves so much. Thanks. You've got to have like a real solid foundational flow. Um, and so your voice next to that always is always great. You know, think of 
sequence on this album, uh, Fighters, but I also think of Boring Gun Raps, R.P. Scorsese. Yeah, R.P. Scorsese, man. Very, very talented brother. That's that a terrible loss for the underground. Terrible, yeah. terrible loss. What an incredible person. Yeah, and, truly. Uh, but Boring Gun Raps was like something I listened to a lot because that first verse, he's he's like, he's spitting like, like this is his last chance. Like that's how intense his first verse is. And you come in quite naturally after, right? Like that is, there's a mixture of voices that make sense. Uh, and you and Teller is that mixture, right? Uh, ABAC. Thank you. So. Excellent. Um, so Thank how you. is the reaction to the album been? Um, it's being received well. It's being received well so far. Um, you know, like you said yourself, or matter of fact, I think that was a, uh, there was a there was another platform part itself that had said they weren't too familiar with Ed Glorious. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. He's somewhat of a newer cat uh, in terms of like I mean he's been putting in Ed's been putting in work like the past year. I don't know how many projects he's dropped. Uh, you know between my album, Teller's album, numerous beat tapes. I know he's worked with some other MCs, uh, but he's definitely cutting his teeth in the underground. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think that this is just another opportunity for him to showcase what he can do production-wise. And um, overall, man, it's, it's being received pretty well. You know what I'm saying? We've been getting some real good feedback. I'm going to continue pushing. Uh, we might have a couple other things up our sleeves here in the near future. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to speak about anything yet, right. as it might not be cemented. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm feeling the reception, feeling the love so far, for sure. I think a big, a big move for me in Ed, like, because obviously I didn't know of Ed Glorious before – the Taylor Banks album. Right. Um, but then I listened to 1976 with Bleach. And I was like, oh shit. Like Bleach is Bleach is good. He's very good. But I was like, I will just listen for Ed. Like, that is how good these beats are. Yeah, man. He's got uh I mean, like I said, you know, I can't say it enough. There's something about Ed's ability to draw out that raw emotion in his production and it and it evokes the same thing within the MCs that he works. You know what I'm saying? Um, me and Ed worked on this album for probably a little bit more than a year altogether uh, between just picking out beats. And I was real selective as far as the production that he would send me. You know what I'm saying? And it just happened to, to line up the way that it is. Uh, Ed actually pick the sequence of the album as far as the the track list. You know what I'm yep. saying? So that's all that's all Ed's mind right there, the way that it the way that it played out. But um, yeah, man, I feel like it was a, a beautiful unison. Yeah. Pure collaboration, man. That's really cool. Um so yeah, the I guess there was there was something I was gonna ask here. Oh yeah 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 we were, I was going to talk about that. They're bringing out personal content, painful observations. Um, now, I, I, my question was, of, do you think this is like <clears throat> something in, in Ed Glorious, or do you think this is who he picks to be with? Man. Right? He's been with some soulful people, but he also draws out like yeah. some incredible stuff from you. I tell Ed all the time, man, he just got that soul to him, you know what I'm saying? And it emanates through his production from the sample choices that he uses to the way that he flips those samples, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
I mean, really, I would I would have to say that it's just something that's inherently in Ed. And, you know, yeah. um, I guess I could be considered a pretty soulful person at times myself, too. So that mesh was just there. Naturally, we kind of had that natural synchronization as far as sound goes and what we both wanted to do. Um, I didn't really have an idea of where to take it when we first started working on the album. But as soon as he, as he sent me the first couple beats, man, it just right. it just spilled out. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, the concept started to create itself from there. Yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna say like the because I I think it is the most soulful, sleep gloriously is the most soulful rap album I've heard in a long time. Mm, appreciate uh, that. Glad to hear that you hear it the same way. Um, and I was trying to think about why that is, and I think Ed Glorious is the tightness of the loops, yeah. how tight those soul loops are. They are not like full loops they're not like full parts of songs where you're like oh i know that part of that right it is a cut moment of someone uh just you know yelling or like uh you know shrieking or crying out you know and it's yeah. tight and he and so these songs sound like they're crying yeah it's, man that's and you know the very first couple beats that i heard from ed um I think we actually might have started working on this album before uh, the the joint he did with Teller Drop. If I'm yep. correct, I, I, I might I might be mistaken. I don't know how long it was cooking that. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah. we've been working on this one for a while. And like I said, man, the first couple beats that he sent uh, were just so heartfelt to me. You know what yep. I'm saying? That it evoked a certain emotion. Um, you know, I tell him all the time he's got this real mournful sound to his beats. You know what I'm saying? And that's uh. That's kind of the emotion that he evoked out of me, you know what I mean? So that's where the content came from. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it's it's very, and yeah, so the songs sound like they're crying. Like Grimace is a great single because it's a great preparation for what the album's going to be, you know? Lord, thank you for um, that. And so he, the songs sound like they're crying, and you are kind of the professor in front of the class explaining why there is so much pain in these samples, you know? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, like, I tried to... What's broken here? Here's why we're we're in so much pain. Yes, that's, yeah. Um, You know, Routes with August was more about direction, whereas this album is more about uh, reflection. You know what I'm saying? Hindsight, um, introspection. I, I tried to really get more uh, psychologically direct this album was the intention out initially i like i said i ain't know where i was going with it at the beginning right but uh you know the concept started to form itself over time just from the power of the production that it was sending you know and the direction of the production that he was sending like you said uh the beast was crying man so i did what i had to do as far as examining my own pain um that kind of gave me a platform to to do some venting you know what i'm saying yeah no you the examination is is really is really interesting, and what I what I appreciate about your writing is that it is relatably intelligent. Thank you. You know, Thank you. and and I mean, this is this is from the heart. I used to like when I was in the army and I was in holding. 
I used to sit around with cats and just read them William Blake or read them mm. Shakespeare or Jimi Hendrix lyrics. And a lot of these people were from areas they had never heard this shit before, man. Right. And I would, and they'd be like, what was that about? And I'd just break it down kind of easy. Um, and it helped them relate to what we were talking about. It was the notion that like, I never want to impress you with how smart I am. I want to be able to like relate and get somewhere together. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a similar mindset that I have as far as writing, you know what I'm saying? As far as music in general, um, I've been told that I'm a red dude, but also, uh, you know, I, I have a street background too. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't have the best life growing up. Um, seen a lot of traumatic things happen. So I tried to relate to both the collegiate mind and the street mind, you know what I'm saying? And uh, try to find a middle ground to where everybody can understand what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah, no, that makes sense. The, um, yeah, no, and, and we were talking about routes the last year with August Fanon, which I wrote the review on. I think it's a major step forward in your career. Thank you. Um, do one producer albums make the most sense for you going forward? Mm. That's that's funny. You should say that. Um, I mean, I definitely got a couple more in the chamber. You know what I'm saying? Definitely got a couple more uh, one producer combos in the chamber coming. Uh, I don't want to give too much away about who or what those yeah. albums consist of right now. But, uh, you know, going back to, like, say, Sleeper Effect, that album, uh, I did, you know, a little bit more executive producing in terms of picking beats from various different producers and uh, experimenting. I even did some production on that one myself yeah, and yeah, just yeah. You know, finding out what works uh, for me sonically. So I do have another album in that vein where I've reached out to a couple of different producers. Uh, definitely got something along those lines coming still. But I mean, like the level of cohesion that you get with working with just one producer, I think that's unmatched, man. You know what I'm saying? I have a lot of fun, don't get me wrong. I have a lot of fun picking out beats from different cats and just the way that my creative mind is, yep. uh, you know, trying to find a way to make all these different sounds work. But, you know, nothing beats to me being able to hunker down with one beat maker, or one producer, and, you know, just create a general direction for what you're doing. And I think, you know, uh, I feel like personally I can do both, but it's just so much more in sync when you're working with one cat as opposed to trying to put all those pieces together yourself. Yeah, no, it, it's, and the, <laughs> the second part of my question was, uh, it was just, I say this because as a creator, you seem like a completist who really wants albums to have a full arc theme and journey locking in one producer gives you a different level of control yeah definitely definitely um and i mean that can be more of a challenge too like i said when you are taking it upon yourself to uh pieces together you know with individual cats because you know when you're working with just one producer they'll give you that full that full palette to work from they'll give you that full um you know it's almost like a good metaphor I could use is like, you know, you're creating a world together, more or less. You know what I'm saying? They give you right. a landscape and I'm just filling in spaces, filling in, filling in the blanks. 
So, um, yeah, I definitely like, I, I tend to appreciate albums that have more depth to them and have that full arc. You know what I'm saying? Um, I always pride myself in my ability to bring substance to my music. So, you know, that, that just goes hand in hand with that. Yeah, no, it, it's, I, yeah, I mean, I just, as I write short stories and, and uh, I've written novels and That's dope. Uh, screenplays, whatever. That's dope. It, the, and I, I was instrumental in this kind of poetry organization locally for a while. Um, That's fly, man. And That's I fly. always thought that the poets had a different state of mind than I did, right? Poets, they like capturing a moment and they put the moment out. And they're cool, right? And like writing short stories, writing novels, I want control over everything. You know, Word. I want I, I control what the color of the street is, I control the color of the cars are, how fast people are walking. It's all mine, right? And so, and I'm just building brick by brick, you know. Right. Um, I got to interview a local author. He was like, I write three pages a day for like two years. Yeah. And he's like, sometimes you look back after five months and you were just eating shit for five months. Hey, it'd be like that months. sometimes. Yeah. Um, be like that sometimes. Gotta find your direction. You know what I'm saying? Um, totally. I probably lost more rhyme books than some cats have, you know, wrote rhymes. And that's not a flex or anything. That's just how it goes as a writer. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, yeah. I approach, I approach music with the same merit that you know, an, an author would approach a book or, you know, someone uh, writing a screenplay would approach piecing something like that together. Um, you know, more often than not, there's a lot of rhymes that don't ever see the light of day. And that's right. just kind of how that's, you know, that's just kind of how it goes, man. Um, yeah, I would yeah. say these days, more often than not, if I get to the point that I'm actually uh, materializing something, whether it's, you know, typing it in my phone or actually physically writing it. I'm at the point now where it's probably getting used. Uh, right. But, you know, up until this point, I spent whole summers, um, you know, just locked away in the room, right? My mind away, you know, getting to that, uh, getting like sharpening my my craft and finding my delivery, finding my cadence, um, you know, yeah. understanding what worked for me vocally. So, you know, it's yeah, awesome. it, it, it takes time man. It definitely takes time. And it's weird because like you kind of have to get good at it before you're even thinking about being successful at it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you gotta yeah, just, just work on it to work on it. Um, yeah. I remember writing and everybody kind of being like, so what are you gonna do with this? What are you gonna be? And I was like, dude, somewhere there's someone in their house playing the piano better than anyone you've ever heard. And they're just doing it because they love playing piano. Exactly, exactly, that's, that's what, what it's doing. about chill like yeah so but but yeah I, your authorship has gotten more and more complete i think i was listening to animal god and i was like i don't think he can go back here you know like i love animal god but there's a lot of producers right blood blixing and just this, all all kinds of different people the mix you know um and i just i just think you want everything to link up now yeah, um, you know, like I said, I definitely got another album in that vein where I'm doing the majority of the piecing together. But, you know, uh, yeah, man, it's just 
you're able to catch stride. And I can not only that, but I can focus on the writing aspect a lot more when I just have a solid batch from one producer. And there's that I know there's going to be that consistency with sound and I don't have to try to create that for myself. You know yep. what I'm saying? Because it's already being established because I know, uh, you know, Ed's going to have that certain sound regardless because that's his niche as far as making beats or with Killer Kane with the Voodoo Kid EP. Right. Um, those, I mean, what that EP literally was just the first joints that he sent me. You know what I'm saying? Each one, I was like, okay. And that's rare to have, you know what I'm saying? If right. a producer sends me a patch of beats, a, a pack of beats, I might pick I'm pretty picky with my production. You know what I'm saying? I have very specific taste. I might pick one or two out of like 10. Right. And Kane just happened to hit me with all those right pockets that I, and I, and I felt every beat. So that's what it was. You know what I'm saying? It's just mm -hmm. a lot easier to hit your stride and to uh, align things conceptually when you have a certain pocket that you're, that you're falling into every time. Right. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it's really, an interesting thing. Was, that's what's gonna animal god rolls me into one of my questions, which is what do you think you do better now than you did in 2019? Hmm. I would definitely say that uh, you know, of course, as we get older, our perspectives change, you know what I'm saying? Um, I definitely think that I have more depth as not only as a writer, but just as a person, I've experienced more, I've gone through more. Um, so that in turn, of course, is going to reflect in the writing. Um, I think that, you know, I understand music more than I did in 2019, but I also, I'll probably understand music more in 2022 than I do now. You know what I'm saying? I try to right. remain a student at all times. Um, I just try to grow sharper every year man, and, and absorb as much as I can. Um, I listen to a lot more than just hip hop you know, uh, try to stay well-rounded. Um, I mean, really, I would definitely say that I'm just smarter than I was in 2019, you know what I'm saying? And hopefully that reflects in the choices as far as how I go about creating content and releasing content to people, um, you know, how I go about releasing these albums, who I release these albums with, um, you know, I, I hope, I'm hoping that it reflects in every move that I make music. Because, like I said, I'm just trying to soak game as each year goes by. That's awesome. Yeah, no, and I think as you get older, if you mature as you get older, which honestly, Sleep Gloriously and Routes are about that to a great extent. Um, how to grow and how to develop and how to mature. If you do that, you become better at communicating things that embarrass you. Yeah, that you found you would find embarrassing about yourself, or uh, that you would maybe conceal or leave to the side. Yeah, uh, you're you're better at communicating that, uh, and that's, that's definitely, definitely a part of that. I would definitely agree, and it's like you know that also comes with uh, gaining that sense of hindsight and uh, you know being able to be real with yourself as far as self reflection. That's a lot of what this album was about, too. Uh, right. You know, especially like joints like Lilith. You know what I'm saying? That's very that's very sensitive joints, you boy, man. I was really hesitant as, about whether I wanted to put this out on the project or not just because it's, it's real. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't get more real in terms of subject matter for me. And uh, 
you know, I haven't released that many songs like that. I've done plenty of songs like that, but I haven't released that many. Um, they're more just for me when I make songs of that content. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I was, the first question that I wrote when we were talking about talking is, do you see Lilith as a special moment on Sleep Gloriously? What was the process of creating and editing that? I can imagine that every second of that song has to be in the right place. Yeah. Um, man, <laughs> honestly, that came from a, a place of venting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that was just that was just purely me venting uh, as far as the writing process went. I might have wrote that joint, then no lie, then probably like, 20 minutes, you know what I'm saying? Just because of a certain situation that I was in, um, I felt like that was a positive outlet at the time. So that was that was the decision I chose was, you know, let me just um, express myself creatively and get it off my chest so that it doesn't boil over into something negative within my personal life. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right. Uh, I, yeah, I wrote that joint out quick, but the decision to actually go through through and put it on this album um it just all came with timing you know what i'm saying it just happened to send me we were at the tail end of finishing this album and ed was sending me beats daily you know what i mean he was sending me beats daily uh we was at the point you know we've been working at this for a while let's go ahead and knock this out so he just happened to send me that beat man and it just synchronized with the mood that i had at that time and yep. with what i was already writing um Cause I think I had started writing. I, I think I finished that first verse before he even sent that beat through. So, um, you know, I readjusted as far as cadence and delivery to make sure that it matched that beat, um, you know, and then built the chorus around the subject matter. And I mean, yeah, I wanted to be, I wanted it to be as on point as possible. You know what I'm saying? I wanted, I wanted that song to be as direct as possible. And I feel like that's probably one of my more direct songs. Right. Um, and like I said, also, I don't release songs that touch on that subject matter specifically that often. So, yep. yeah, I definitely wanted to make sure that it was sharp and still in the same vein of familiarity as far as what you hear from Sleep Sinatra, but also something new at the same time, if that makes sense. No, and there's a lot of songs that are kind of... Uh, too general with the, with that subject matter that are just Word. like what are these women doing to us and it you know right. but this this is very this is very specific it, it's very specific and i yeah it, it is it's it's a it's kind of a centerpiece on the album Thank um, you. and i guess i could it it is what led me ultimately to what the album is about. Okay. I think I figured it, out what the album is about. Okay. Lay it on me, Dan. I'm curious to see your, your interpretation, man. So Lilith, right? Uh, so. This is the, the thing that got me, right? Uh, you watch me get it out the mud to ask what your take is. That's shameless. And at the same time, I can't blame you, but fuck your moms and your pops because I know that's the way they made you. Mm. so that that struck me as interesting and then i thought about atlas shrug my daughters need me to show them consistency and truth and mm. i just was holding those against each other 
and I started to think about that a, a big part of sleep gloriously thematically is is programming the, you, the programming that you have that you need to shed right or yes. adapt away from yeah you hit it right on the head man you hit it right on the head um uh, it's uh it's a process of unlearning you know what i'm saying it's really sleep gloriously is my analysis of the unlearning that i've been having to do as a man and you know societally what we've all been going through with you know pandemic um all of the protests that have been happening um you know just the civil unrest that we've been experiencing and sort of uh the the mental awakening that we've all been going through these past you know two three years so that's really what sleep gloriously is about is my examination of the unlearning process that we've all been going through um you know from the micro to the macro and there is there's just so many examples where cruel world still can't escape because I'm chained by my own perspective. Um, I mean, Grimace has a really good one that is just kind of friendship based, uh, where there's kind of a group of friends who you were close with, but now my brains are different. Now my brain is different. It's not that I'm changing. I adapt to the stages where reality was shifting. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's hard hitting for me too, because again, that ties in directly with real life situations. You know what I'm saying? Um, I know a lot of people that have fallen victim to the system and did a number of years in prison. I know people that have lost their lives to, you know, either gang violence or some type of street activity. Uh, you know, I lost my my father because of street activity before I even had a chance to know him. So, you know, it all, it it resonates with me heavily. And this is just me like I said, it's an examination from the micro to the macro. So this is me breaking down those thoughts uh, out loud, basically. Right. And, and that's what, that's what makes it so there isn't any maliciousness in the diagnosis of what you're doing. Uh, you talk a lot about sickness, right? Um, yeah. This bad programming that keeps going is a sickness, you know, and the, there was a a German philosopher named Ludwig Feuerbach who said that to the bug who lives on the leaf, the leaf is his whole world. Mm, That's heavy. And so he was, it was kind of talking about that, about like, if you're taught this, that's all you've got, you know? Um, And so you can't, you can't unlearn it's it's hard to unlearn that. Yeah, yeah, because like you said, you know, that uh that's some people's entire world, and that's the extent that they know. And you know, fear of the unknown is something that a lot of people don't acknowledge or people won't admit. You know, people are scared to learn, people are scared to learn outside of what they're comfortable with. Uh people are scared to grow outside of what they're comfortable with, man. That creates a lot of bad situations. So, you know, um, yeah, I can't have any maliciousness when I'm examining these things because I'm a part of that. You know, I'm a part of that unlearning. And these are my people that I'm speaking to directly. You know what I'm saying? In a lot of cases, Grimace specifically, uh, you know, these are people I grew up with, uh, you know, people I've shed blood with and tears with that I've laughed with, cried with, you know. So, um, 
I want to be able to get the message across as coherently as I can and give people an understanding more than anything. Right. And it's, it's one part to be able to say, hey, look, you've been a victim of bad programming. We can track it here. We can track it there. Friends, parents, whatever. The work, the programming work is on the other side of it, right? Um, personal example, um, I, got, I got married. My wife, there's like no divorce in her family. Everybody's been married 30, 60 years uh, going back. My parents from California, they met and bonded because their parents were terrible and got divorced, you know, Whoa. and were in and out of whatever lives. And then they had a terrible marriage and they're divorced, right? And mm. my dad wasn't really good at it, being a dad. And I can't emulate him as I'm raising my son. You know what I mean? Right. So this whole husband father shtick, I had to build myself, right? I had to program yeah, myself. But, you know, I don't have like someone to key off of, right? Exactly. Uh, and that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When you, when you just, I mean, essentially you just got to wing it, you know, if you don't have that foundation, that blueprint to go off of, um, you just got to wing it, man. That's, and that's the same thing for me as far as being a father. Like I said, you know, I lost my father before. I don't have any memories of the man. I got some VHS somewhere, you know what I'm saying? That I probably should watch that I haven't yet, but someday I will, um, you know, but as far as being a father, uh, being a role model, you know, that's all things that I had to learn on my own. You know what I'm saying? I got some pointers here and there from from the old heads that were, that raised me, that did end up raising me, as far as father figures go. Um, you know, but it's it's a whole new process. Like you said, you gotta create your own programming um, so that you're not following in the footsteps of the negativity that was before you. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's a that's a struggle in itself, especially when you're in a process of unlearning from your environment that you came up with still, you know what I'm saying? So that's definitely a challenge. And I think what the way you approach it, and I think part of this is it was on routes as well, is just building around your values, right? Like, um, yeah. especially when you have kids, you start to try and build yourself differently, right? Yeah, you're, exactly. You're, I mean, you got you to realize you what's wrong with you and build away from that. Exactly, man. Exactly. Because you got something else to live for at that point. You know what I'm saying? Um, you have lives that depend on you. So you got to think differently. You got to move differently. You have to, you know, speak differently. Um, you know, you become a leader in a sense, whether you were before you had children or not. That's just that's just how it is as a father. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? As a real father, if you want to be a strong father and be there for your children, then right. you're a leader uh, by nature. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, man, it, it, it comes down to the choices that you make. You got to start moving wiser, man. You know, because there's little people, there's little human beings that are looking up to you. <laughs> yep. And it's it can be it can be hard, too, because kids crack. They, they'll crack your mold. They will they'll be around you enough to see where your weaknesses are. Yeah. Thanks. That's call facts. You out on that. And one of the things I had to start doing, and I think I realized pretty early on was 
I'm just got to apologize to my kids, you know. Sure. I don't want to cover up anything and say like, no, you, you, you did that, you know. When I, when I screwed up, I want to walk in the room and be like, I screwed this up, you know, like because that's a pace setter, right? Like yeah. for, for the house. And I think that you know, that's a practice in humility too. You know what I'm saying? Being able to acknowledge when you're wrong. Um, starts with your kids first, but you know, it can it can go outside of the household too, and being able to be real with yourself and be transparent, you know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, I try to be transparent at all times. There ain't no shame in my game. I am who right. I am. I was raised how I was raised. And when I rhyme, you know, that will you'll be able to hear that too. I'm not hiding anything. And it makes it a lot easier for me to express myself through my art because I'm not living a facade. I'm just giving it to you how it is. Yeah, no, it's, it's vivid. And it's, that's why I think I don't want people to get a song like Offerings misconstrued, right? I think you listen to Offerings once and you think, oh, this is the religion song, you know? Um, or, but there's just so much in there that relates to programming, that relates to programming yourself, right? Um, exactly. There's a certain type of energy that keeps me in alignment, you know? That's that's right on for the topic, right? That's you, you realize yeah. where you're putting yourself, right? Like, where am I putting myself for the best growth, right? And exactly. Yeah. And you can feel I mean, yourself offerings. spiritually connected in certain ways once you're in aligned, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you got to be within alignment uh, of yourself in order to, you know, see things for what they are truly. Um, offerings is more about the sacrifices that have been made, uh, you know, the self-sacrifices that have been made. When, I'm, when, I, when I say offerings, I'm talking about, you know, literally giving myself to the people in the truest form. Like I said, I always try to be as transparent as possible. I'm giving y'all uh, a lot of vulnerability. Like these past two albums between Sleep Gloriously and Routes, uh, that's the most vulnerable I've probably ever been musically. You know, right. and it's very therapeutic, though, at the same time, I'm able to get these things off my chest. And I feel like um, my supporters understand who sleep is more as a person after these experiences, after you right. hear these out. Yeah, no. And, and there is like um, part of what what has been rolling around in my head has been. There's a bit of like a hardcore rap pain business that's coming up where like, yeah, um, you know, different distributors uh white people uh will be looking for painful stories right and then Facts. they will charge a ton for the uh, for the vinyl and stuff and i think it creates this environment of like stockbrokers the stock like in mm. You know, the stockholders, you know, when, yeah. when the stockholders are in charge of a company, the company is all messed up because they can't make decisions that are just good decisions, right? They've got to do it for the stockholders. So now you create that situation where you're like hardcore for the stockholders and you've got to bring more pain than you did last album to, to raise your right. bill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's interesting that you bring that up too, because I definitely think that, um, 
specifically black trauma is being it, it's marketable you know what yep. i'm saying black trauma is marketable and like you said you know i've seen firsthand these certain labels will cater towards that and not only labels will cater towards that and tend to exploit that but also i mean let's be real not every rapper has that story you know what i'm saying so right. a lot of these cats are trying to stretch their experiences or exaggerate you know what they may have experienced in the hopes of um being acknowledged as being a part of that lane you know right. what i mean um i mean i'm not gonna name any examples i could but i'm not gonna name any examples as far as that but i mean you know there's more than a few cats that do it and to me growing up in the environment that I grew up in, also being a huge fan of hip hop, you can always tell them cats, man. You know what I'm saying? You can hear the depth in someone like a Taylor Banks as opposed to one of these cats that's just trying to make a quick buck and align with one of these labels. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's a different level of depth and a different level of pain and truth in the music that you can hear, at least in my ear, that sets them apart. Right. One of the, one of the metaphors that I keep using throughout my time doing this is that hip hop has food groups Whatever. and you need all the food groups, right? You can't, yeah, that's bad. you know, you can't just have mozzarella sticks, you know, the whole time. You've yeah, got to switch it up. That's facts, facts man. man. And, and so you, you got to have, yeah. gotta have all them, all them pieces in order to see the full spectrum of what it is. I don't think you can appreciate hip hop for what it truly is as an art form, unless, like you said, you got the, all those essential food groups, man. You got to have the whole pyramid. You know what I mean? Yep. And you got to be vested in it in order to explore that. You know what I mean? You got to. Yeah. Sometimes I, yeah, I was at this, I was at this conference, Black History Month conference, and and uh, okay. it was it was weird. Uh, my sister did such great work there, by the way. She was like, putting out all kinds of historical examples of, of Black people through history, and she highlighted Shirley Chisholm and just a bunch of interesting folks that uh, don't necessarily make the front cover enough. But That's important work. But yeah, they were talking about it. I've always been, I've always hesitated on calling myself an ally, just in the sense that when white people say ally, they make it sound complicated. Yeah. There's like a yeah. complexity there, like, who <laughs> being an ally. And it's, these are just my friends, man. These are just people that, like, I interact with and I'm cool with. And I treat them well and they like that. That's it. Like, Facts. I think yeah. it's a lot of, uh, I mean, that term to me is real performative anymore. You know what I'm saying? I can think of within my own city, only one person that I would really deem like an ally. And this is a cat, man. Uh, matter of fact, shout out my, my brother Kamikaze, you know what I'm saying, from, from Dreamscape. That's that's my brother for real. He had protested for like something like 100 plus days, 100 plus days in 2020, you know. Yep. I maced, got his ass whooped by police um, on my behalf, you know what I'm saying? On my yep. behalf. Um, someone that didn't have to do that. Put himself right. online so i mean as opposed to people that are just online talking about you know i'm an ally because i'm wearing this shirt you know what i'm saying or i shared this post or i made i've, I've shared a black square on my instagram or something that 
it doesn't make you an outlaw, man. You know that what I'm saying? Real, it's, it's real love. important definition. That's like if you plug your iPod in at a wedding and play a song, you're not the DJ, you know? Yeah, or, yeah, or facts. not the DJ. Right, facts, facts. You're just somebody playing some music at a wedding, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah, it's a real fine line, um, but it's very definitive, though, at the same time because, you know, the internet, anybody can be anything on the internet. You know what I'm saying? It's the actual front lines of situations um, where that, you know, that term gets determined. Right. Um, you know, as long as you're a good person at the end of the day and you're speaking out about what's right, then you're on the right side of history. That's how I look at it, you know. But people got to make those decisions, man. Um, like I said, as far as that ally term, I just think that shit's mad performative. Uh, you know, it's just a way for it almost became trendy to be, you know, woke or whatever within 2020. Right. And uh, I thought that was pretty interesting to see, <laughs> you know, because it was a lot of a lot of people walking around mad cheapish prior to that. Um, which I mean, you know, it's important to an extent that people are realizing all the ills of society, um, whether they late to the party or not, you know, better late than never. But don't just do it for likes. You know what I'm saying? Don't just do it for likes. Don't just do it for clout. Uh, I think that a lot of activism recently or people that have that surface level um, perception of activism just want some clout or some popularity. You know what I mean? That's not what it's about, man. Um, no, you know, it, people it, lost their lives to speak out about these things. So, you know, <laughs> I could go on for days about that topic. I mean, and, and I think the way my mom has the best quote on this, where she says that you can relate to this, where she says, if you're a hundred percent comfortable in a conversation, the person you're talking to isn't comfortable at all. Mm. Because true. the conversation is an, is a negotiation of, of that space. Yeah. And like, yeah. so when you're talking about that pursuit, that pursuit of like, I, I am blameless, believe me, right? Um, they, that's for you. That's not for them at all. That's not for anybody but you. Right. And that's right. kind of how you judge that. Yeah, exactly, man. It's a lot of, uh, I mean, I don't know, cognitive dissonance is at an all-time high right now. You know what I'm saying? All Ooh. across the board, all across the board. So, you know, I think just as human beings, we kind of in a learning experience right now in uh what will come of that will come of that. But it's interesting to, you know, be on the sidelines and peep that though. I'll say that for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. And and I think it goes back to this programming stuff because yeah. when you're talking about like it's so easy to misprogram yourself because everything's customized. It's a customized world, right? Bad. You customize your own sphere of people and you you have like the worst cabinet assembled, right? Right, right. And, and you just stew in that and you don't ever push yourself outside of that and grow. Um, yeah. That's yeah. You gotta, you gotta have some level of uncomfortability, um, you know, in order to grow, in order to learn things, you know what I'm saying? Right. If you just living within comfort, uh, you know, comfortable within your routine, not trying to shake anything up. I mean, some, that might be for some people, but that's not for me. You know, I feel like um, 
anybody that wants to be studious, anybody that wants to reach any type of progression should have those uncomfortable conversations. They should engage in things that they don't usually engage in, you know. Um, it's just all about evolution, man. You know, you gotta be willing to make a change if you wanna see a change. Yeah, no, and and I, I remember somebody was asking me like about newer generations of, of kids and what I thought about them. And I think they wanted like an old man getting mad at the kids thing. And really what I, my answer was, I think these kids are just too nice. Like, Word. I think they kind of agree on stuff and they're just like, that is it. This is great. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and they all kind of follow. Whereas my generation was so antagonistic that that Word. antagonism manifested itself in pushing us in different directions. Mm, that's important, man. It's important to question things. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I think you you said that that was that was real well put. Uh, you know, it comes from societal pressures to just fit in too. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people would rather just go with the flow than uh, you know think for themselves at their own detriment more often than not. And I mean, <laughs> I can I can think of my own social interactions within my circles of, of friends and you know my partners where. I don't even discuss certain things because I already know they may have a limited perception as far as something else goes. And that's their own programming. You know what I'm saying? That's their own programming. Um, hopefully everybody reaches a point to where they start to question things a little bit more, but you know, it, I think it's, it takes time, but I definitely think, you know, within the past, within the past two years, since 2019, probably late 2019 leading up into this pandemic, I think that that's we've seen a lot more of that, and I think we're going to continue to see a lot more of that. And and that's the strength that you've been able to build on is that the less you conceal, the more you're able to communicate, right, of what's going on, the more strength you have, right? Um, Definitely. You have a stronger connection with your audience. You have a stronger illustration of your perspective and what you're trying to communicate, um, and it's, it's better songs. It's better songs. Thank you. Yeah, and I mean that's the goal. At the end of the day, is to establish that connection. And you know, um, like I said, music is therapeutic to me. Uh, first and foremost, even if I had no listeners, I would still do this because it makes me feel better about myself. It makes me, it allows me to understand myself more. Um, you know, it allows me to vent. So by being as transparent as I am and, uh, you know, just putting myself all the way out there, not only am I able to bring these songs that have that level of depth and connect with these people, but I'm helping, I'm helping myself internally along the way. I'm, uh, you know, I'm able to rationalize a lot of my internal dialogue. There's a lot of things I communicate through song in certain ways that I wouldn't be able to communicate any other way. You know what I'm saying? That's just, I don't know. That's just the way my brain works, man. Oh so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And that's the goal ultimately. I'm with you, man. I, I, I whenever both of the novels that I read wrote were about the future. It's dope. I, I wrote into the future. I took myself, dumped myself somewhere in the near future trying to figure out that future, right? That's dope, um, that sounds interesting. 
And, and it was really me like going into places that I never, that no one ever thought I would get to and being like, how would I even manage this? And me like just kind of walking myself through it within the confines of the story and the plot. Um, mm. And they, they all helped me grow and I can look back on them and go, shit, man, he was, you were right on, you know, with that or um, mm. so that's kind of art should benefit you personally right definitely i like to think that you lose everything yeah i i mean and like that's something that uh you know you got to keep in mind as an artist too because especially within hip-hop man a lot of people let their ego go crazy and they get this one album that blows up um you know or one song and you can kind of see the detachment happen from the level of depth that they did have that people gravitated towards initially to now they're talking about what they have now that they're at this different level. You know what I'm saying? People still want to hear what's in your mind, regardless. They want to hear your mindset. Um, they want to hear the psychological viewpoint, at least me as a listener, you know what I'm saying? Speaking from a hip hop fan perspective, um, I always tend to go back to some of my favorite artists' earlier works because I like to see and hear what the, where they were at psychologically when they made those as opposed right. to whatever they evolved into. Not saying that, you know, evolution is a bad thing because we all supposed to grow. Again, I'll go back to that. You know, growing is another important process, especially right. for me as a person. But, you know, you have to be able to maintain some type of merit intellectually um, just as far as my own taste to keep me interested, you know what I'm saying? Yep. No, I mean this is, and shout out to Zilla Rocca from Wrecking Crew. Yeah. Uh, I've just been messaging him all week about this kind of shit, and um, he's so great, so smart. And it was we we talked about like, you know, when your audience expects X, right, and you have to do X. And, and one of the things I said was, the thing is, all you need to do is hit them with Y, and that succeeds once, and you're good. You, mm. they, they, they'll just believe in you. You know what I mean? Uh, but if you keep doing X, they'll never buy Y. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's extremely true. And I think, you know, you've seen that. I mean, I've seen that within multiple artists where they've kind of created this niche within what they're doing. And like you said, they try to do something different and then people are kind of like, you know, they're not really understanding it initially. And it's hit or miss. Like some people are really great at making that jump and making an evolution into something different. And even if you don't get it initially, you can go back and be like, oh, now I understand. And now I see the progression from point A to point B. And I see, you know, what this person was trying to accomplish. Whereas, you know, uh, you see a lot too in hip hop where cats would just go for the money bag, the money grab, and uh, attempt to make something that you know isn't them that was just you know something trendy that they tried to hop on, and it doesn't seem authentic. You can you can sense the lack of authenticity in what they're doing. So you know, absolutely, absolutely. and that's it's interesting because it's like I have some stuff coming up that. Um, people may not have heard me do before you know what i'm saying whether it's patterns beat selecting yep. um you know not 
not completely straying from what they know, but expanding my horizons a little bit, sonically speaking. You know what I'm saying? Beginning to experiment a little bit more um, from production and, and writing. So it'll be interesting to see people's uh, feedback once once some of that stuff comes to light. Pretty tight. No, I mean, it, and it's it's so it's it's hard to make that jump once you like I. <laughs> been doing this for years and it started off with mixtapes right and right. what i used to always say is the problem with and this is why i can't really go to local shows and deal with the stuff right. going on because people are like impressively freestyling they don't realize that's just the first step like getting good at rapping itself that's the first step right yeah that's that's you, you there's so much more to what you have to do and sometimes it can be hard to define right like yeah i yeah. tried to settle on like my definition of lyrical prowess as interesting remain interesting definitely yeah i would say the same man like as long as you uh maintain a level of interest and you know i think mystique to a certain level is important as yep. well. You know what I'm saying? Um, the cast that I grew up listening to always maintain this certain level of mystique. And um, I, I don't know, it's, it, it's, it's weird though, at the same time with the internet being such a, a crazy thing, you know, like you can go live with people on Instagram and you know, yep. Yep. People tweeting all the time, I myself included, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's a level of transparency there that's a lot different than, you know, say in the 90s when cats were just dropping videos and just dropping right. music. And that's like what you got as far as the artist. Um, I think it's important, though, man, to not, you know, some cats be going live all day, every single day. And it's like, you know, you got to be able to maintain a level of uh playing playing the cut you know what i'm saying don't give don't show all your cards at one time yeah, yeah. no it's it's like when like every boxer when they start when they start fighting they're looking for the right distance between them and their opponent right like yeah. where, where, where do i want to hit from right like right is it do i better up close or am i better far away you yeah, kind of got to find your own distance like do you want to be fully engaged with your fan base and create at that level, nose to nose, or do you want a little bit of room there uh, and kind of hit them like Denzel Washington? Like when I got a movie, you'll, you'll get in, you'll be ready. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of an art in itself too, man. You know what I'm saying? Right. At this point, um, learning how to best engage with your audience, learning how your audience likes to engage with you, um, you know, what content you should drop, how you should drop it, when you yep. should drop it, you know, in this digital age, especially that's that, that it's, it's an art form within itself. And I think, you know, we're all still learning as we go, you know what I'm saying? Um, as far as being, I hate the term content creators, but that's kind of, if you are a creative, you are forced into being a content creator due to the platforms that we have available to us you know what i'm saying so it's yeah. like learning learning the ropes uh 
of content creation and finding out what works for you and what doesn't as an artist. <laughs> something that, that we're all still gaining access to and gaining knowledge from, you know what I'm saying? Right. No, and, and it's important to note that there is something of value in all of these crappy business terms that we're, we've been forced to use. Right. Um, branding Definitely. is an example. Like branding just means differentiating yourself. Right? Which is Facts. which is just like we had the negative version of just yelling at people for being biters, right? But we never right. applauded people for being individuals unto themselves. So yeah, branding kind of does that, right? And um, it's the same with with content creating. Content creating the I guess the the implied continuousness is important, right? Definitely. Don't write a song every six months. Right and expect right. to take over the world. You got to, you got to be involved in this. Act. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think you know, again, there's like, there's a fine line between oversaturating with that because this cast is doing way too much on both ends, and also not doing enough. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, especially within this digital age, man, you can't just put out a single once a year and expect to gain any type of momentum and the cats be angry, you know, why aren't I getting the same looks as so-and-so? How come I can't secure this deal? It's like, man, you got to put in the groundwork in order to reap the benefits of said groundwork. You know, you're not working in it, man, you know? Um, even like myself included, um, up until the last two years, you might've got one or two projects a year from me just because of the process that I would go about making these albums but you know i'm gonna tell you right now then this is probably gonna be one of my busiest years uh music wise as far as releases go i got after sleep glorious i got two albums completed um that i won't i, I ain't gonna spill the beans i was gonna spill the beans i ain't gonna do it but i got two albums completed uh that'll be coming very soon maybe back to back um, and a couple other crazy collaboration projects between myself and some very talented people that uh hashtag the watchers. Yeah, the watchers, man. Shout out my boys. That Woo. man, that album's gonna be crazy. And we've really been in our bag, man. Everybody comes with it. Uh everybody's almost, in a everybody's in a really exciting place. Like, yeah, um, definitely. I don't know if you heard the new blood blixing, and I, I just posted an interview with him. Yeah, that um, cast dope, man. Shout out to shout out to Blood Blixing. It's great. It's a great album, and Blood Money is is insane on those cuts. That's my guy, man. Shout out Blood Money as well. Um, you know, outside he like of music, ghost of hip hop, he sounds like like if Charles Dickens' Christmas Story, if they were like ghosts of hip hop, he'd be that dude. He sounds yeah, like that. definitely he's amazing. He's he's coming with a vengeance, man. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, uh. We've spoken a little bit about his internal battles of like, you know, he feels like uh he's got some seniority in it and and questions whether he's too old to keep up with the younger cast. I'm like, man, you you full steam ahead. Full right. steam ahead, man. Blood Money's got some shit. And I think yeah. especially with this watchers project, um, y'all are really gonna hear some amazing stuff from him and everybody else that's involved in the camp, man. We really are all putting our best foot forward with this. And it's fun, you know what I'm saying? More right. than anything, it's fun to just, you know, uh, 
spar with with the pen uh with people that you know are going to bring the best out of you creatively right. every time you know we got a folder that we all just kind of trade beats and, and uh trade rhymes in and man that's a whole cache of some other shit right there yeah. um and it's consistently consistently being added to um you know if i'm not adding a verse on something ice is usually dropping something or blood money comes out the cut with some crazy production and, and a, a crazy verse on something um right. man uh my man d is constantly Whew. Lately, it's really been in his bag as far as uh, writing and has been contributing some crazy production. We, um, what are we talk, talking about? Def C or are we talking about uh, uh, my man D Lanham? D Lanham, oh D Lanham, yeah, well. yeah, yeah he's he's killing shit. But there is a Def C. Def C jumped on something for that as well. Um, yeah, we got some. It's it's a whole lot of ammo in that bag, man. It's a whole mm-hmm. lot of ammo, and we just continue to keep adding. And like I said, it's fun more than anything just to be able to trade bars with people that you respect creatively, uh, trade ideas. Um, it's helping to keep my pen sharp. It almost feels like a hip hop workshop, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To an extent, to where, I mean, even though we're not all together, it's almost as if we were all in one house huddled up, just banging these joints out. You know yep. what I'm saying? And you know that when you get on something, you got to come with it because all everybody else is coming with it. And so it's like right. it's exciting. It's fun. And it's a good practice in penmanship and just sharpening your craft. And the cool part is that since like I've seen a lot of hip hop supergroups come together, you know, I've seen Word. it. And the problem, and I can call this the slaughterhouse dilemma if we'd like to, is if no one within the group is is conceptual enough. Mm, yeah, yeah. Right? And so I remember like a, a ways and dur- during the slaughterhouse process, and I was like, Royce just needs to get out of here. Like he's more conceptual than any of these cats. He's making the best music. These guys are just throwing bars at at tracks and they're good at it but the songs don't have a basis yeah man see that's the beauty of the watchers too is all of us uh individually have that level of depth in our own music so it's like you know uh d lanham might drop crazy verse on something and and then there's a concept created just from what he laid down and you know we all follow super ice might lay something down crazy that creates the foundation, some shit, or I might lay something down. Yep. Um, I mean, there's so much depth, and I think that's what kind of separates the watchers. A lot of yep. other groups that I've heard too is there's so much depth uh artistically from each of us individually that it's just man, like the music we've been creating is some of the best music that I've heard unbiasedly in a long time, man. I'm really excited for people to hear it. Um yep. and we got we got plenty. We got plenty in the cut um, being consistently added, probably as we speak right now. You know what I'm saying? Cass is probably getting busy right now. <laughs> yes, probably true. The, uh, I was going to say, so your journey specifically, because you, you brought up something very interesting where you were saying that, you know, you've got these things in the works and you're doing new things and different things. And the way I thought about it was um, you start like, and, and 
I just really enjoyed right off the bat the consistency that you brought to the table, right? Thank you. Um, and the Dragic flow example, whatever. And That's I think beautiful. that I really appreciated that, by the way. That's dope, man. <laughs> just you know, trusted with the ball every time. But then when it comes to when it when it things started stepping up levels, right? Consciously, I was like, wow, this is different. And I think the jump up with routes is. And if I was to rewrite the review today, the, the basis of it would be um, a, a film director, Robert Rodriguez is an example, made his first film with like $30,000 uh, friends. It got big, it won film festivals. Then he's he gets a budget, right? Mm -hmm. So now instead of 30,000, it's 5 million. Right. So now adjustments have to be made, right? And I've heard interviews kevin smith did an interview where he's like the problem with that movie is i didn't know how to handle the budget the budget mm. was too much Word. i don't i didn't know where the extras should go i didn't know you know how many extras i needed i didn't you know, i you have to when you when you're moving up levels that's the first time you've been to that level right exactly. so when you're stepping up these levels if you can kind of figure it out, you're making a bigger budget picture. And yeah, routes is a bigger budget picture. Um, and sleep gloriously is a bigger budget picture. It, that seems like what you're doing. You're moving up in, in the size and the cinematic scope of what you're doing. Thank you. I mean, yeah, that's, um, it all comes within the process of learning how to do this. You know what I'm saying? And that's why um, between those, between Routes and Sleep Gloriously, that's two years alone. You know what I'm saying? I worked on both of those projects for at least a year before I got <laughs> to the point that I was comfortable with them. As opposed to like Voodoo Kit, uh, I might have knocked that out in a couple months. You know what I'm saying? And there's still depth there, but there's not the same level of intricacy. I'm very proud of that project, by the way. Shout out, Pan. Yeah. But, you know, with Routes and Sleep Gloriously, and because of the fact that they're full-length albums, I really wanted to give people as much depth and as much of me as I could uh, because I understood that those would be the next steps, momentum-wise. You know what I'm saying? I, I wanted to create that evolutionary process by releasing those projects. So that was the intention. Uh, maybe not initially when I started those projects, but by the end of it, I understood that that's what those would be. If that makes sense. No, it totally does. It's when you're when you're starting to write or engage with something, you're just engaged with it. You just want it to work. But there comes a pro. A, a, there comes in the editing a time when you start to piece unpiece the fragments. And you go, oh shit, that's what this is really about exactly exactly that, that's yeah and that's literally what happens you know what i'm saying is like it might not it might not even make sense or i'm questioning the level of cohesiveness at the beginning the first three four joints but by the time i'm at track you know nine track eight i have a full understanding of okay this is where i'm at conceptually with this this is the idea i probably have the title for the project at that point in time um, right, because the direction's been solidified at that point. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And that's one of the coolest questions to ask anybody is, 
where do you start from? Because everybody starts from a different place. Yeah. Um, and you know, that was the cool blood blixing in the interview. He was like, nothing happens till I get the cover. Word. Yeah, that's I interesting. Get the cover and everything comes from that. I start making beats that relate to that cover. And I start, I mean, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. That's um, dope, man. And, and yeah, everybody kind of starts and ends different ways. Yeah, I mean, and for me, I think that uh, it all comes down to, you know, the mindset that I'm in uh, plays the biggest, it, the, my, my mindset is my biggest factor in anything that I release, where I'm at in life, what I'm going through, and how I want to express that portion of my life to the people. You know what I'm saying? So once I have an understanding of like, this is what I want to express to people, then I start looking for production, whether it's reaching out to one producer or picking through these beats that I've accumulated that find or that uh, match that specific sound, you know, um, kind of taking it from in the internal to external as far as like what I hear happening thematically up here and what I want to bring to people out the speaker right. that makes sense that's how my process starts and it just kind of evolves from there yeah no it, it, it's always it's always about is getting getting as close to what you had in your mind as possible yeah exactly exactly and that's and that's it, the goal every time man and if you can get close you you're pretty damn proud of it you're like yeah that's that's what the hell I was trying to do yeah. And I mean, like me, I get to like a perfectionist sense with it almost or like you were saying earlier um, during this interview, like a completest sense. Like I, it has to be it has to come full spectrum in order for me to even think about releasing. it. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, it's, it has to make sense and it has to get to that point to where it's like, OK, this is what I wanted to do, um, what I set out to do. And I feel like I've gotten to that point to where, you know, I've accomplished that. Now I can give it to the I'm not going to give it to the people if I don't feel like it's a full representation of what I was aiming to do. You know what I'm saying? It just, um, it feel incomplete. And I mean, I have released music like that in the past when I was like some of my very first music, I was just barring up, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Had some crazy imagery or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, this is cool. This is something that I want to do. And you know, it's fun at the end of the day, but it's right. not like, it's not going to hold that same depth. I want, I want to be able to, I'm at a point now creatively to where every time I make something, I want to be able to go back years from now and still feel proud of what I put out and understand where I was at mentally when I put that out too and remember those times, you know what I'm saying? So it has to be able to hold a certain intellectual merit, emotional merit, um, and creative merit for me to even think about putting it out into the world. That's just where I'm at right now with it. No, and, and there's like, and, and if, if anyone who's been successful over a longer period of time, when you were talking about artists who have, uh, who are, were great in the beginning and kind of lost it, if, if they're great now, then what they've been able to do is take their projects and make them into steps, right? Exactly. And, and go up the steps. And uh, that's why it can be very cruel to have your best album be your first album, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a very cruel thing because everybody's, you know, you know, you, you can't think what would what would Cannibal Ox have been if they were able to build. Man, yeah, that's a great example. You know, um, 
there's a certain bar that you establish for yourself that you know you might have did and some of some of that shit's just intangible man like you can't recreate certain things there's just certain energies that happen when you're creating somebody might send you a certain beat um that they'd probably never be able to replicate you know there's a certain magic that goes into processes like that where you know it's hard to if you set the bar too high for yourself coming out it's hard to uh you know exceed that or even match that a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? You see a lot of cats do that. And that yeah, Iron Galaxy is a is a great example. Um, or Colvane rather is a great Colvane, example. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um let's see. I mean, I seen a Vinny Paz interview one time where he was talking about the psychosocial album that oh, it released yeah. very yeah, that was my shit. You know what I'm saying? JMT is a huge influence, uh, just a lot specifically. Um but I seen a Vinnie Paz interview where he was saying that he wished he wouldn't have came out with that level of consciousness as their very first album, because it's like, you know, he went all the way down the rabbit hole off the rip. So where do you go from there? You have to come back up. You know what I'm saying? And um, he's still making good music now, but it was just interesting to hear that mindset that he wished he would have saved that level of depth for later on in his career you know yeah you can look at it now and go this is kind of out of order right like put it in this order um and and it's been weird is i've started to understand that timing is important yeah everything has to move with the right timing and so there have been people who reached out and have been like you know what i'm i'm gonna get you next year right like i don't think you're done you know yeah um and I think you can reach that, but I don't think you're there now. Right. And we need to meet at the right place. Yeah, it's, I mean, timing is everything within this music, you know. Um, I was just speaking to somebody else about that earlier, that, you know, things will happen when they're supposed to happen. Um, but you have to put in the work so that you can build those bridges to get to that next place. You know what I'm saying? Um, you have to... I mean, I, I like to call it cutting your teeth, you know, um, even within a perfect example of that to me is within the local hip hop circuit here. A lot of cats will expect to get those big, big looks. They want to be on the Freddie Gibbs show or they want to open for Ghostface or, you yeah, know, yeah. They're, trying to, they're trying to curate their own shows. But it's like, man, you have to show and prove to these promoters and to the people that are coming to see these shows that you have what it takes, you know, that you got the chops. And that you have the skill set because they're not going to put themselves out on a limb um, if you're not showing and proving. You know what I'm saying? And these fans aren't going to be interested in seeing you open up for one of their favorite artists if they know you're not going to kill it. So it's like, you know, it, it, it all comes 360 within this hip hop thing, man. Like you really do have to put in the work and lay a solid foundation for yourself. Again, even if nobody's listening. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That's kind of that's that's kind of how I approach things. Even when I didn't have um, people like yourself analyzing my music, you know what I'm saying? Even when I didn't have people buying, even before I even knew how to make CDs or you know anything about that, I just wanted to make good music, and I think that that's something that people tend to stray from because of all the clout activities that happen within hip hop. So many people want the vinyl deal. So many people want to be on this website or 
have this cosign that they're forgetting the most important aspect of it is to just make good music at the end of the day because the rest of the stuff will happen organically if you're doing that you know what i'm saying yeah that was the there was one of the things i talked to blood money perez about was i think it must be much more fun to be iceberg theory than to be megan the stallion yeah definitely definitely iceberg's just in this hovel right like just locked in with his books and his music and he's just cranking and he's having a great time that's what he wants to do and megan's got fashion shoots and twitter beefs and it's gonna be a lot to juggle Um, yeah seems stressful and and not much fun you know what i'm saying like you said like you got to be able to have fun with this and just express yourself the way that you want to express yourself and you know also when you're talking in terms of like people that are in the industry like that you have label situations like i think she had to file a lawsuit or something crazy like that just to even be able to release music you know you yep. still have the creative freedom to release whatever you want whatever format that you want say whatever you want you know um it's a certain freedom that comes within just staying staying in your own lane and doing what you love to do and and what's been cool about your development in this kind of film director escalation that you've been on is that the control you've manifested over your authorship and your writing mirrors the control you've had over the other aspects of the art, right? Mm. Like, give an example. Sleep Gloriously is the most beautiful cover I've, I've seen all year. Thank you. I stare Thank at it. It's, it's beautiful. And Routes was was a much more interesting cover design than I had ever seen before, right? So this this is growth and development and control over these different aspects of what you do um, and how it manifests. And it's it seems synergistic. Mm, yeah, I mean, again, man, I just can't speak enough about the learning process. You know what I'm saying? Um, it all comes with and I mean, from talking about covers, um, that comes from learning more about cultural nuances within visual art. You know what I'm saying? The more that I learn about different cultural aspects um, visually and what I like in visual art, um, from graffiti to actual, you know, painters, uh, everything in between, it helps me become a more well-rounded artist. And, it, and you know, I draw inspiration from everything. So then I have more of an understanding of the direction of cultural nuance that I want to represent visually with my cover art to how it's going to tie in thematically with what I'm saying. Um, I'm just trying to grow sharper all the time, man. You know, I don't ever want to lack. I always want to be able to progress. Um, The pandemic gave me the opportunity to sit down and get back into production. I first started making beats probably 2000 and eight something like that 2009 somewhere around there um on the sp404 you know what i'm saying and then i ended up getting in some trouble when i was a little bit younger uh straight away from making production just focused solely on my writing because i wanted to get as good as i possibly could as an mc and now that i feel like i'm catching stride as an mc and having all the downtime like i said with the pandemic gave me the opportunity to get back into production and to 
reteach myself and uh, relearn some of the things that I had lost. I'm having a lot of fun with that too, man. You know, so yeah. I just I want to get as sharp as I can in every in every aspect creatively and just be able to have fun with it too. At the end of the day. Different aspects of the work change over time, right? Where like you start to realize that you you may beat yourself up for not being literally productive, but then you're thinking like, oh, the research is the work. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm researching for what will be productive, and I have to do this work. Yeah, exactly. And that's the way that I kind of uh, I try to approach these little laws creatively. You know, I don't have them too often anymore, just because I have so many different things that I'm that are happening right now that if I feel uninspired in one area. I can go work on something else. So that's kind of a way to keep myself driven. But yeah, the research is part of the work. It's a huge part of the work. You know, um, like I said, thematically speaking, um, as far as what I want to draw from visually, um, it all ties in, man. And it's all it's an essential part that I think not a lot of people put as much time into as they should. And I think there's a lot of albums that could have been greater had people done more research, um, yep. you know, in terms of what they wanted to do with visual direction, uh, you know, thematically, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot more people could have hit their mark more solidly had they done the proper research. Yeah, no, it, it finds something to, that's real to situate in there. You know, like when I was, when I was writing, one of these, all my stories took place in real places and I'd find a real street and I'd have stuff going on on a real street, you know, yeah, and I'd be like, that's a real street. So that, that helped me ground the foundation of what I was doing with, it's, the, it's, with the characters. It's subtle things like that, that I appreciate as an artist, you know what I'm saying? Just my artistic mind is like, you know, those little specifics, um, people that are, that pride themselves within with having a high level of detail always appreciate shit like that man i think that's okay. why like the cars are like the billy woods are excelling right now you know what i mean it's that level of intricacy and detail that they have that is captivating the people man yeah um, at least to me well and it's those those artists are built for re-listens they're built yeah. for you know the the fifth sixth listen um and re like I, I, there was a big on State of the Game when when the when Drew dropped that album last year, and like Keith hit me up and he's like, I don't know what Woods is talking about here, and I was like, dude, he's breaking down Russian history, mm. and like he was he just like spent the rest of the night researching the references that Woods was talking about. Yeah, that's uh, dope, man. I love music like so that. Cool. Yeah. Love music like that. I think uh, Planet Asia is somebody else that's really great at doing that, you know, that has those deep cultural references. Um, you know, it just, it makes it more enjoyable for the listener when you can go back. And even if you don't necessarily understand something off the rip, you give something, uh, you give people something to, to, you know, research and look up themselves and understand the references. And then it's like, or you might just happen to come across a reference. Like, damn, this is what he was trying to say. I think that's beautiful, man. And I think there's some people that are smart people that get worried about making that music because they start looking for where the ceiling is, right? 
then if you if you make it fun and bouncy you can really chart you know um but i think what they don't realize is how many of those guys chart and go away right right how many like designer the panda and then gone right yeah yeah the one hits and then they out of there yeah and i remember like when people were like this is what sells and i was like but this guy's not going to be around like you guys don't care about him at all so then it comes down to you know do you want longevity or do you just want the little quick fix you know what i'm saying and it you know there are there are good artists that get wasted in this manner right like i will go to my grave saying Trinidad James was a very talented dude. Yeah, I'd agree. I really enjoyed his mixtapes, his music. He was better than that song. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, man, like you said, like, especially within the industry of this tool, you know what I'm saying? They want that marketability and then they just going to use you up and toss you to the side. And once you get up there, it's hard to go back to (laughs) that same level of creativity because like you said you know everybody wants that one song everybody knows you for that one song so if you're not making things within that vein then they they, they lose interest you know what i'm saying at least once you get to that level of uh of exposure with your creativity and and you know to be honest it's it's a lot of white people rearranging blackness like mm-hmm. like checker pieces on a board um and I mean, I've told a lot of people this before, but the reason I started Free Music Empire was because I felt like a lot of the reviews I was reading were racist in subliminal ways, right? Yeah, it's true. Certain artists weren't Southern enough or weren't, you know, like there were were these, you know, these words being used that were like, I don't know, Reagan-esque kind of code words uh, by, by white authors, like a lot of guys who review rap are like white dudes in their forties, you know, and and a lot of them grew up listening to Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana, and now they have to listen to this, right? Right. This what's popular, um, and they don't represent the culture. They don't like representing the culture means you rep this music, you rep the people doing it. But you stand in in arguments. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You stand definitely. in when people are talking about stuff they don't know about. You go, no, man, this is actually the deal. Right. And it's, you know, it's being a historian about, um, you know, being a historian in terms of hip hop and the creation of hip hop and also having that understanding of the disconnect. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of a lot of cats, like you said, a lot of these uh, hip hop journalists have a huge disconnection to the music that they're listening to and the environment that these cats are. In. <laughs> so you have to, you know, you have to be an educated person to an extent to understand where these people are coming from, where these environments, uh, what what type of people are bred in these environments. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, right. Um, yeah, man, it takes it takes a little bit. Not everybody can not everybody can just be a hip hop critic or a journalist. No, and I, and I felt like there was too many people who were like deciding whether something worked within the zeitgeist and giving it a pass fail kind of thing. Mm. And I just know that 
sometimes a failure leads right to your success. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Strange how that happens. You screw up something in a way that is kind of beautiful. Yeah. And you're like, I kind of want to build on that next, you know, next time. Um, so sometimes there are successes that yield no success that, right. that will never be replicated that you can't build on that are flat. And there are failures that can help you a lot. Yeah, truly. It all comes down to the learning experience, man. I feel like what you learn from your wins or your losses will determine your next move. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes people don't learn anything or sometimes people will, um, will miss the mark in terms of an opportunity. I've seen that a lot of times where people could have capitalized on something in a way that would have been beneficial to them, but they saw the opportunity that they had um, in a different light and, and capitalized the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? Those successes that didn't really lead to anything. Whereas, you know, there's also those happy accidents that he was talking about where, you know, something didn't work out, but it ended up working out in the long run. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, man. And, and if you have hindsight, you get to see that. Like, I remember doing reviews. It's one of the things that got me to stop doing negative reviews was I do a negative review on a person. Next year, they drop a project that I adore. And I realized I just hadn't figured them out yet. Mm. Yeah. I just hadn't gotten the window in. And I was like, oh, I just need to stick with what I understand at that point. Because yeah. some of the stuff you don't like is just stuff you don't understand yet. And see, and then I end up, me, as far as a listener, I end up, when I don't understand something at first, um, I do, I'll take some time and come back with it. And more often than not, stuff I don't understand initially, I end up liking a lot later on down the road because I took the time to actually, you know, approach it differently or with a different mindset and then you're able to appreciate the things that you missed um you know the first couple of listens totally and then so and that's where like people get hung up like they're all people are always asking elucid or billy woods like i don't understand everything you know i, I feel bad that i don't understand everything and they're always trying to calm them down you don't have to understand everything it's okay right yeah um, yeah that's the beauty of it man but Really, the only job you need to give yourself on the first listen is, is there something there or not? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the determining factor. And it's, I mean, I don't know. Everybody's ear is different, but you can tell, you know, you, you can usually tell whether there's depth there or not. And more, I can't even, it's to the point, man, I can't really even get past the song more than, first 15 20 seconds if there is no depth there you know what i'm saying like it's got to be it's got to be very uh very succinct and it's got to hit me in a certain level in order for me to really want to go back to something especially within hip-hop now nah, man there's so much carbon copy shit going on yep. and you know uh everybody's a drug dealer now you know what i'm saying uh, <laughs> everybody everybody wants to be a griselda prototype um so it's like, you know, it takes me a lot within hip hop to actually sit down and be like, you know, this cat is saying something. Let me let me peep what they're saying or um, to even have to go back and reexamine something a couple of times. More often than not, if I got to go back and reexamine what you're saying, um, you probably just gained a fan. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I look at it. Yeah. And, and well, 
and it's awkward because the crew dynamics are crew dynamics, right? Like in, in a crew, there's all there's different different people have different logistical places within the crew, right? Right. Um, and everybody that like everybody out there is pretending to be the kind of Nikki Barnes, the head of the crew. Yeah. And who <laughs> said? that's just not real right like in yeah, terms man. of crew dynamics i'm the funny guy in the back who's also a good consigliere right i'll be right. there when everybody leaves we'll talk shop we'll game plan you know i i'm thoughtful but i'm but i can be wacky and funny that's my place within the crew you might be the second in command solid dude there for there for the for the but not everyone's the head of the pack and yeah. It's exactly. weird that everyone raps from that frontal position. Yeah, man. And I think it just comes from a lack of un, um, being unoriginal. You know what I'm saying? Lack of creativity. Uh, they see what's successful and they try to imitate that, you know, and that's not like you said, man, you got to you, you got to know your role and you got to play your role and you have to give people it. It, it just. It misses that level of authenticity when you try to portray something that you're not musically. And both, you know, street people can hear that if you if you kicking that street shit, and an artist can hear when you're trying to do something that you know isn't this person. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you're kind of creating a disconnect between you and potential fans because it's like you know, surface level it sounds good, but does it have replay value? And it, it's probably not going to have that replay value if it's not authentic. It's you know almost I mean? the sitcom. It's almost the sitcom plot of like the little lie that comes apart, right? Like, yeah. it's almost that, right? Because in a rap album, there's so much space to fill. I, I get it. There's a lot of words there, right? Right. Um, Al Green was able to just hit you with like a few sentences the right way, and he was good, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, Profound. You, you've got to like fill this stuff, fill this space, right? If you're rapping. Um, so you want to kind of be awesome throughout. Yeah, you got to be able to have that level of depth, man. You got to, and you, I mean, there's more to it than that, though, too. You know what I'm saying? People have to be able to, uh, that rewind value. You know what I mean? Something that I love about hip hop is like being able to rewind. Like, what did that cat say? Like, how did he flip those, right, right. those syllables? Or like, what was that punchline? You know what I mean? Like, there's so many things that you have to do in order to, uh, at least in my eyes, be a respectable MC and someone that's to be held in high regard because the bar has been set high for us. You know what I mean? There's a lot yeah, of great Well, and, and, it, and albums, what makes the album experience such a beautiful experience is the lie always comes apart, right? Like you can't yeah. hide it. You can't hide Facts. it. There's a juvenile album. I can't remember the title of it, but it, he's it's he's super listenable. It's super fun. But he keeps kind of coming back to like, they say, I hit this girl. I didn't hit that girl. And like, he just keeps kind of coming back to it in different ways from different angles. Right. Like, That's what this album's about. Like, yeah, this is the album where, where you were accused of, of something really heinous and it's eating you. Right. Um, right. What, I'm not your music. Judge that how you will. That's what that album's about. And like, uh, that was what was in your life, whether you wanted to admit it or not. It leaked out. You know, you hide it. Yeah, the subconscious has a funny way of of just coming out. You know, I always say what's done in the dark ends up coming to light. (laughs) Especially 
rap, um, you're dealing with the subconscious a lot, man, because, you know, it's kind of a stream of consciousness type of thing when you're rapping, um, whether it's freestyle or you actually writing it down, um, you know, that's all internal dialogue type shit. For the yeah. most part, now, now I'm not gonna see that, say every MC is like that, but if you got something on your chest and you're making an album, more often than not, that's gonna come out. Totally, totally, and and to be able to identify what what has come out and what it means and organize it, that's that is like the that's like the third level, right? The first level is getting good at rapping. The second level is probably like conceptualizing songs and albums, right? And the third is, is dealing with what you're talking about. That subconscious, the alignment. Yeah, that's that's not an easy task, man, by any means. I think, you know, it takes a certain level of maturity and introspection to be able to to do that successfully. You know what I'm saying? Um, and coherently, you know, a yep. lot of people, uh, there's a lot of people that try that and it may miss its mark just due to not, articulating themselves as well as they should have or maybe it's beat selection you know there's a lot of factors but it's you know that's something that um is few and far between but i think it should definitely be noted that that is what makes albums great to me right yeah no it's it's what yeah it's what and it's what makes that collaboration that producer MC collaboration so great is because it, you sometimes when people's missions are so well aligned, you you create something totally new. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true, man. When it's when you're in sync and you're hitting that stride with somebody, um, the potential is limitless. You know what I'm saying? And then once you find that direction and you have a clear path and you have a destination then it's just laying, you know, laying the bricks down and building whatever that end game is going to be. It's a fun process. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, it's, it's the journey to recontextualize yourself. Mm. Um, That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And you're on it, man. I'm, I'm so happy uh, to you. have you. Thank you for taking the time with me. Uh, yeah, most definitely. Thank you for the platform, man. I'm sorry that we didn't link initially, you know, the first, first time we had it lined up, but I'm definitely glad that we got to talk. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's be good to be able to keep it keep it fluid, keep it consistent. Really, I got I got everything from Scorsese, man. He kind of taught me the rules of this in terms of, hey, man, this is just a community that supports each other, um, that reps each other's projects, that you know we help each other out, and that and that was, and it, we get to do it guilt free because we're all really good at it, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so that's cool. It. You put it elegantly, man. R.P. Scorsese. That's a, that that cat is a great uh, representative for of what this underground thing is all about. You know, it's a community. It truly is. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and you and you carry that torch, man. I'm I'm glad to hear it, and I'm looking forward to what you keep doing in the future. Thank um, you. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, as I end a lot of these free music empire attention undivided and just say thank you neil long for everything you do you know for everything you have done and i, I appreciate it I'm, I'm gonna throw brandy in there too everyone gotta throw it 